to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to the the best episode to date. It's a maybe. bold claim. Maybe. Probably, it probably won't be. We've had some pretty good episodes. Uh, but this is episode 90 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And we are excited to have you back. Uh, we've got people listening from all over the world, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just throw out claims like that. Why not? Who's going to fact check me? <laughs> Nobody fact checks our president. Oh. I said it. That's right. I made it political right off the bat. Yeah, he's not pulling any punches today, folks. Fuck it. Um, so how you doing? I'm a little sad. Actually, very sad. Yes. News just came across the wire. I'm sure most of you heard by now. Just like as we were setting up to record. It yeah. Just came out. Uh, legend in the genre, George A. Romero has passed away at the age of 77 uh, after a brief battle with lung cancer. Um, you know, we've, we've said some things about George on this show. Um, you know, we, we've expressed our opinions on his second dead trilogy, as well as some of his comments about zombies in media today. But at the same time, I've also pointed out regularly that Dawn of the Dead is the first movie that really piqued my interest in horror. And, uh, you know, Night of the Living Dead is the movie that started the zombie subgenre. And George is is an icon, and he is a legend. Yeah, yeah. Like like Taylor said, we've we've. I mean, I won't go as far as say we've talked trash. It's just his. He seemed to kind of have. Uh, I don't know. Crawled up his own ass a little bit, um, as far as his opinion on the not only not only zombies but horror in general. In general, um, it's kind of like you know how. John Carpenter's been lately too. It's like they think that, you know, they made the horror genre what it is today. And so that gives them some right to comment on the new age of horror. Um, but at the same time, we've, we've constantly expressed the respect that we have for Romero's work. I mean, mostly his, you know, earlier work, his later work started kind of, you know, fall off in quality i guess but we've always respected him as a um as a filmmaker as a visionary um and we are very very saddened by um by his death so 77 he seemed older than that i thought he was in his 80s um we talked uh what early no late april i guess it would be um, he was supposed to come to Crypticon here in Seattle, um, and he he had he fell ill. If if think it was pneumonia, I believe so. Yeah, um, but he was unable to uh, make the trip uh, on doctor's orders. So um, I have to think that that was some something related. I mean, I would think. I mean, that was you know less than two months ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously pneumonia is predominantly a, a lung issue yeah um so yeah i mean he was he didn't if he knew at the time that he was sick he definitely didn't let on to it in his statement that he wasn't coming so i mean he 
he obviously had plans for the future too. I, I, I really doubt that he didn't, that he knew what was coming for him because he said that I really hope that I can join you guys next year. Well, yeah. And then he was supposed to produce that road of the dead. Right. So, um, it, it does appear that he wasn't aware of how ill he actually was. So yeah, just tragic, really. Yeah, man. Yeah, when so when that uh, you know we we were tipped off by our friend Max Zaleski, and when when he posted that tweet, I was just like I audibly went no, yeah. I just I it was a shock, man. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm speechless. I'm at a loss for words. Yeah, I mean, like I said, George Romero is responsible for my love of horror, so it's you know it it hits me pretty hard. Yeah, I mean he de- he defined what zombies are today mm-hmm. inadvertently yeah he never called them zombies Mm-mm. so yeah um we're we're definitely gonna miss you george down here and um you know the horror horror community as a whole i think will will is gonna mourn your loss um and uh our deepest condolences go out to all of his family and friends um especially his his wife and daughter we're gonna uh, we're gonna toast toast George. Yeah, we've got a new treat this week. Uh, last episode we had um, for a limited time only Zima, which was just awful. Apparently, this is gonna be a new theme. Um, <laughs> we're doing our best not to rip do- rip off the Buzzed Kill podcast. Which, by the way, you guys should listen to the Buzzed Kill podcast. They're they're a good show. Um, but apparently, this is this is becoming a thing now. Uh, today's drink of choice is not your father's Mountain Ale. Now, regular listeners to the show will know of my affinity for Mountain Dew. Um, so uh, anything that combines alcohol with Mountain Dew is okay by me. Now, I just hope it doesn't taste fucking awful. Like, uh, I think we need bottle openers. All right. Um, They're not pop tops. Um, yeah. Uh, Tony normally likes to mix his Mountain Dew with whiskey, make his own signature cocktail. Heavy on the cock. Yeah, you see it. Um, but yeah, today we're going to try this Not Your Father's Mountain Ale. Maybe Tony may have a new favorite beverage. I wouldn't you know, go that far. Well, you never know. I, I, I do like my whiskey, though. All right. Come on. This is not the best bottle opener. <laughs> it's not even a good bottle opener. No. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Where are my keys? In your butt. Oh, why'd I put them there? There we go. I can use the moose. Side. I can use the moose. Oh, well, you know, you mo- use your moose. Multifunctional moose. Nobody's impressed. I tell you, it doesn't smell good. Maybe I can't use the moose. Is that supposed to be a bottle opener? Yes. Well, Come I'd on, Moose, get your shit together. I'd say that's not even a good bottle opener. <laughs> You're making me look like a fool. I'm just bending the shit out of it. Back off. All right. All right, well, this one's for George. Cheers to you, George. 
that was perfectly in unison. That was beautiful. That's not bad. That's <laughs> yeah, not bad. It tastes more like squirt than Mountain Dew, though. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's 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 sweet like soda, but not too sweet. Not like, what's that? Too sweet. I don't know what you're doing. I don't. I don't understand that. Stop it. <laughs> um, Max, too sweet me. Of course, this does say citrus brew. It doesn't specifically say it. I mean, it's, it's called Mountain Eel, so I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, you would think that they, they were trying to be Mountain Dew. Yeah. Tastes more like squirt, but I enjoy squirt. I don't, but this is all right. <laughs> I would have no problem knocking a couple of these back. Oh, we've got six of them. All right. You better get busy. <laughs> um. And, you know, just to pile on the bad news in the zombie genre, uh, the Walking Dead family lost not one but two people recently. Yeah, this uh, this other one just popped up here, what, a day or two ago? Yeah, um, both in, you know, very tragic accidents. Uh, voice actor Randy Shell, who you would best know as, you know, next time on The Walking Dead. He's that guy. Yeah. Now, without... Randy Shell and his amazing voice, we would not have the intro to the Grave Plot Podcast. That's true. The intro to the Grave Plot Podcast is me doing my best impression of Randy Shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember when we first started the show, it's like, okay, we need some kind of like lead in, like an intro, you know, a welcome to. And I did myself. I just used my normal voice and I just put some effects on it and made it kind of sound deep, but it sounded really generic. So I told Taylor to do it in his Walking Dead voice and that's what we got. It's been that way for three and a half years. Mm. I kind of beefed it up here recently. Anybody that's, that's noticed the, the improvement in the quality of our intro, I kind of, I, I cut up, because I never really like edited your your voice. Yeah. Like, or, like I, I, what I did is I went back, since I'm a little more skilled with the audio uh, uh, software now, I went back, took some fuzz out, balanced it out to make it a little more even and robust and then i put like kind of an echo effect on it oh i didn't notice <laughs> oh, well fuck yeah well uh randy unfortunately died in a skydiving accident uh apparently it was it's just a routine uh dive that he's done a hundred times before and something went wrong i think with his shoot and uh he unfortunately died uh, and then on top of that stuntman john berniker uh, was doing a stunt for the show. He was actually on set, and he fell. And I think I think it was like a fifty foot fall or something. Was it fifty? I thought it was thirty. It could be. Maybe let's just say forty. Just to split the difference. Forty story fall. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> no one gets that reference. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, he fell. I guess on concrete and uh, was rushed to the hospital and died shortly thereafter. Well, it was a couple days, I think. He was like in intensive care. That's shortly. Okay, well, whatever. So, yeah, just bad news all over. Um, so this one's for, for Randy and John. Okay. What? Uh, do, do two clinkies. Oh, sorry. One for, for both of you, actually. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, sad news. Yeah, just not a good, not a good time. <laughs> no, not particularly. 
Um, on a lighter note, I think I'm getting a house. Hey! hey. Finally. Yeah. God damn. It, we've been looking since like October. Uh, this was the seventh house that we put an offer on. Was it that many? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Lucky number seven, though. Hey. Um, I think that the owner may have taken some sympathy on us because I'm pretty sure our real estate agent told her real estate agent that this was the seventh house we put an offer on and we've been just beat out. Like we didn't actually like back out of any. We didn't, you know, have an inspection and, and say, oh, never mind. We were actually just beaten on price on all of them. So I think she just said, oh, okay, well, we don't want them to get fucked over again. So, which was really nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, nice place i mean it's not it's not huge it's got a huge backyard though you could probably put another house back there um all right i will okay i'm moving your backyard all right well i have to talk to my wife (laughs) um but yeah the house itself is it's a 1280 which isn't too bad uh it's i mean this place here is a, a thousand so tack on another 280 feet not bad. Yeah. Uh, three bedrooms. And none of the, all the bedrooms are kind of small. It's kind of irked me a little bit, but... Um, Third room. Could be a nursery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, it, it's funny how you, you get into this mindset of being a homeowner and, like, we haven't even moved in yet. We're, like, our close date isn't for, like, almost another month and then we don't move in for a few days after that. Um, But we're always getting in this mindset. It's like, okay, well, here's all the stuff that we need to fix and blah, blah, blah. It's like we had our inspection done. There's galvanized plumbing in the house, which is not great. It's not an emergency, but I want to get that taken care of as quickly as possible and so i'm like you know i'm a real do-it-yourselfer so or do it myselfer which would be the right one do you like to do it yourself (laughs) (laughs) yep what's that from a 40 year old virgin that's right (laughs) um anyway so yeah replacing plumbing it's got a brand new roof, which is killer. That's nice. Yeah. Because we, we just gotten to a point where it's like, okay, well, we're not going to find a house that isn't going to need a roof replacement within five years. It's just not going to happen. But then we found this one, and it literally just had a new roof put on in April. So, and they're like, they're supposed to be 30-year roofs. <laughs> Our inspector said so. That typically means about 25. Um, so... You know, if we even live in that house for 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. But pretty excited. Uh, new new step in, in, in my life. So Congratulations. Thank you. The South End location of the Grave Plot podcast will be moving locations. Grave Plot South. Grave Plot South, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So look out for that. Or don't. You don't know really. <laughs> I don't want, don't I don't, look out for him. I don't want you. Don't be a creep. Live. I don't know you people. <laughs> anyway, uh, any anything new with you? Um, got my driver's license again. Hey, hey. I'm a grown up. <laughs> How long has it been? 
uh, almost eight years. Fuck. Because you, you lost it well, not long before we moved in together, right? No. It was, long it was a while. It was when I was still working at the pawn shop in Auburn. Wow. That was a long time well, ago. Well, that was when the accident happened. I don't know exactly when the, the suspension took place. but And you never had a car since then? Nope. Oh. Well. All right. License. Hey. hey. Oh. <laughs> Let's just find reasons to drink. <laughs> it's never stopped us before. <laughs> um... Oh, we just did um, Silas Dolls short film oh, yeah, yeah. for the Seattle 48-hour film festival, or 48-hour film project, um, which is, an, is it national or, or worldwide? I think it's global. Global, okay. So yeah, it's, it's a, I, I can't remember if we talked about this before, but we did. It is, or we did, okay. Um, the screening, although, unfortunately, will be over by the time you hear this. Right. But... Um, yeah, it all it was, it was pretty fun. It took a lot longer than it was supposed to, but um, it was still, yeah, a lot of fun. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing it on the big screen on Tuesday, which, like Taylor said, is a day after you're here or a day before you're hearing this. Um, I don't, I don't think Silas would really appreciate us telling too much about it, but I'm sure it'll wind up online at some point. Yeah, we'll of course post it on our website when it does. So yeah. Or, you know, before, and then Silas can just kiss our asses. Yeah. I'll tell you the password. Whatever. Fuck it. <laughs> um, is that it? Uh, well, I mean, let's give a shout out to our Patreon patrons. How about? Well, I was going to do that next. Oh, okay. Get to it. All right. Well, uh, we do have some Patreon patrons who we usually appreciate. <laughs> Not so much this episode. Um, but they are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, and Joshua Hodges. Um, thank you so much, guys. These guys are contributing $5 or more per month, um, and they get a shout-out every episode. But, Taylor, what are the details on Patreon? Um, well, you can give as little as a... I mean, you can give whatever you want, but if you give at least a dollar, uh, you get perks, including exclusive reviews uh, that you get to pick. Plus, you get to pick, uh, when we do Patreon Picks episodes, like this episode here, you get to pick which movie you want us to do. Hey, which really blows up in our faces. Because this is our Patreon Picks episode. Um, second one we've done, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's mainly because we... Couldn't think of anything else to watch for this episode. <laughs> so we let you guys pick, and that was a mistake. <laughs> um, we'll have to reconsider this next time. So he's watching. Hey. Oh, that's your wife. They're gone. She does. I don't know why she does that. Um, yeah, if you want to join the club, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. Like I said, as little as a dollar, we'll get you some, some sweet, sweet, sweet perks. But we're not going to say your name on, on this show. Not for a dollar. No. We'll do it for five. Five dollar make you holler, make us holler. Hey. Holler your name <laughs> on the podcast. We won't holler it. We'll just say it. We'll just say it. We we'll just be like Kevin does go to what what? Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> no fuck Kevin especially though. <laughs> this goddamn episode, motherfucker. Anyway, this whole month, it's wow. son of a bitch. <laughs> he really fucked us. Uh, speaking of which, we 
due to time constraints, we uh, we don't have our Patreon video review done yet. We're going to try and squeeze it in by the end of the month. If not, it'll be early August. Yeah, well, yeah, if we can't get it done before the end of the month, then you'll just get two video reviews uh, in August. So lucky you. <sighs> anyway, but before we start leading into uh, our film reviews, we'll start out with our usual stuff. What am I doing? Horror business. Hey, yeah. It's, it's falling apart. I need to drink more. Uh, yeah, horror business. Let's let's do that. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I don't. I'm, I'm not doing well this episode. <laughs> I'm just gonna let Taylor talk for the rest of the episode. No, you always do the real world horror. All right, do the real world horror. Do the thing. What's happening? What are you doing, Tony? My headphones are all fucked up. Would you get off my ass? I only have one ear now. Son of a bitch. Whatever. Good enough. Doesn't matter. Does it work? No, it's it. Yeah. You're acting like a woman. I said it's fine. Just leave it. Now I have the other ear. Wait. Okay, that's good. Good. Yeah. Okay. It's really loud now. I don't know what happened. It is louder, yeah. Te- no. This is why you don't fuck with shit in the middle of the episode. It wasn't fucking working. What do you want me to do? Fix it before we start. It was working and then it stopped. Ah! You want to take a step back, man? You standing on my dick. All right. Now it's working. No, it's fine. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Spalding, no. <laughs> the poop, the poop, the poop <laughs> and the pearl. This duty, <laughs> Caddyshack. Anyway, okay. So, real world horror. Starting out, I'm um, in Philly. Goddamn Philly, <laughs> city of brotherly love and murder and zombies. <laughs> uh oh yeah, I sent this to you. Yep. All right, Philadelphia. Um, a on streets of Philadelphia. So here's something fun that happened in Philadelphia, in North Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, so at 9 p.m. on no day. Okay, so uh, <laughs> on 9 p.m. p.m. on any given day, uh, a baby coffin was found on a sidewalk. Which is weird, right? That's yeah, hold weird. on, though. That's weird. Yeah. Um, it gets worse. But then when uh, the police opened it, I think it was the police opened it, right? Yeah. The, uh, Mr. Chris James discovered it. I mm-hmm. uh, described it as a small white casket wrapped in a trash bag. And, yeah, uh, and then he called the police and they came, up, they came and opened it up. Um, they opened it up and inside it was filled with um, human organs. Uh, believing to belong to uh, an infant or a child, but uh, <laughs> no body. No, and that was the unusual thing, according to the police. <laughs> um, police Chief Inspector Scott Small said, uh, according to the medical examiner, they were in fact human organs. They believed they were believed to belong to an infant or a child. What's yeah? What's unusual is inside the coffin, other than the bag of organs, there was no body. Um, 
Now this, they were discovered in uh, an area nearby two cemeteries. So theoretically it could have come from either one of them. Yeah. I mean, do they think this was buried? I I think that's the belief is that it was a, uh, a grave robbery. Oh man, it's fucking twisted. What is wrong with people? But what's weird is that the organs were in a bag in the coffin and then the coffin was in a bag. So are they trying to hide it or what's they're they're blocking the smell from the dogs. Well, why don't they just like throw a bag of reefer in there or something? <laughs> well, that would draw the dogs. That's true. Uh or you know, potheads. That too. <laughs> That's that good shit. Chiba? Chiba? Um yeah, or you know, it's like when you when you like cut up an onion, you put it in a bag, and then you put it in another bag so it doesn't stink. I don't eat onions. You don't eat onions. <sighs> anyway, um, so he says uh, there have been cases where people take remains or human bodies for whatever unusual reasons they decide, but we're gonna look into that. Uh, yeah, where is the body? Yeah, I don't. I feel like they're not. Working hard enough to figure out where the body is, at least from this description. I mean, maybe they are, but it sure does not sound like it. Uh, an investigator with the medical examiner's office, uh, who was at the scene Monday night, so a week ago, um, confirmed that the con- contents of the casket were indeed embalmed internal organs and there were no skeletal remains inside. So it was definitely. Uh, it has to be a grave robbery if they were embalmed. I guess, yeah. Um, so it wasn't like somebody ditching a murder evidence or anything. Is it? Is it weird? I mean, yes, all of it is weird. <laughs> it, no, is it weird that I find the fact that it's a child or an infant uh, weirder? Just because I wonder, like, I can't figure out what the hell they're doing with the body. I mean... You know, my mind immediately goes to they're fucking it. But why take out the organs? Yeah. I'm wondering if I can make it like a doll out of it or something. Like taxidermied it. That's fucking twisted, man. Right? What the fuck is wrong with you? Me? (laughs) I didn't fucking do it. You came up with the idea. I didn't come up with the idea. It's out there. People were thinking it. I just called it to attention. Yeah, I don't know. This is fucked. Quite fucked. Philly needs to just stop. Proper fucked. Uh, we done? I think so. All right. Well, let's let's move right along. That was quick. It's tasty. It's five percent alcohol, so it'll get you drunk enough. Yeah, you know, I was saying on the show when we were drinking that Zima, which was also five percent, that I didn't even feel a buzz. But then as I stood up and I started like packing up all the recording shit, I started feeling it. Like, oh shit, maybe I am a little buzzed. (laughs) Feel a little, a little warm and tingly. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Uh, so for some fucking reason, they're remaking The Grudge. Uh, this has been going on for 
too long. Yeah, like uh, basically, like the second that somebody thought it, it was too long. Yeah, but they found a director. Uh, it's going to be Nicholas. I don't know Pesci, the filmmaker <laughs> behind uh, 2016. You think I'm funny? Like a clown? The Eyes of My Mother, which is supposed to be good. Joe Pesci. I know who Joe Pesci is. <laughs> Santa Claus don't visit the morgue, kid. <laughs> um, the two Utes. Utes? What's a Ute? <laughs> Did you say Utes? Oh shit! I fucked something up. Oh god damn it! God damn it! Uh, Pesci is expected to provide additional work onto a previous screenplay written by Jeff Bueller. Bueller? Bo- oh, this guy. Jeff Bueller. Bueller. Yeah, that guy. Uh, who wrote The Midnight Meat Train, which was an okay movie. It wasn't bad. Uh, he's also writing the remake of Jacob's Ladder. So, neat. I think that's what we talked about him Oof. Yeah, probably. Or why we talked about him before. Uh, last oh. year, Baller. Baller. Uh, he was talking to Dread Central about <laughs> the the Gurge, and he said, it's awesome. Something completely new, but very much a Gurge movie. Everyone is super excited. Liar. I'm not excited I'm at not all. I'm not excited at all. I'm not even slightly excited, no. let alone super. Yeah. Like, I'm the opposite of excited. I'm I'm, I'm decided. I have a, a grudge against it. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, the worst part is that this is going to be produced by Sam Raimi and Rob Tappert, uh, so. as well as Taka Ichise. Ich- Ich- Some kind of goddamn Japanese name. <laughs> I was so scared of where that was going. <laughs> um, for Ghost House Pictures, which of course made the original Grudge movies, so... I don't know why they're doing this. I'll tell you why. Sweet, money, sweet money. 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 Why, couldn't, why couldn't they just make another sequel? Not that anybody wants that either, but... Well, because if they reboot it, then they can make a whole new series of movies. <sighs> With little effort. Because, I mean, if they make a sequel, then... You know, it's a crapshoot if anybody will actually see it. But if they reboot it, then a lot of people are going to see it. And a lot of people will see the sequels. Isn't Hollywood fun? No. (laughs) So, yeah. I don't know. The Grudge. Still grudging. Fuck it. That's that's what it's going to be called. Yep. I've heard that passed around the office. Yep. The Grudge Four. <laughs> Keep on grudging. <laughs> the Grudge. <clears throat> that seemed to go by really fast. Yeah, because fuck it. All right. Well, here's the next story. Eli Roth is back producing. Neat. Yeah. Because his last few movies have been so much fun. The ones that he actually like directed? Did he direct those? He directed Green Inferno. He did? Yeah. And Knock Knock. 
He directed both those dumb movies. Uh, I'm going to have to fact check you on that. I thought we weren't doing fact checks. <laughs> we make the facts. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> um, well, he's producing a movie uh, about the Amityville horror again. Yeah, because apparently since Amityville Awakening isn't going to happen, everyone it's like it's like the Seattle mayoral race. Everyone's like, oh, Murray's not running again? Empty chair. I can sit in it. <laughs> um, it's going to be titled 1974. It's going to be not so much a, a thriller like Amityville Horror was. It's going to be based on the true events um, behind the, the original DeFeo murders. Um, now, anybody not familiar with that, you know, for like the two or three people in the world... Um, Ronald DeFeo in 1974 murdered his mother, father, his two brothers, and two sisters. Um, now there's another film <coughs> coming uh, coming up very soon, uh, or maybe maybe soon. I don't know. I'm <laughs> making up more facts. <laughs> Speaking of which, Eli Roth wrote and directed both The Green Inferno and Knock Knock. Okay, whatever. Fact check. Calm down. Calm down. Fake news. What was it that it was really bad that he produced? Uh, I don't know. Keep talking. <laughs> All right. Um, but yeah, a movie or a film coming up uh, by Daniel Ferrand called uh, the Amity or sorry, the Haunting on Long Island: The Amityville Murders. So it's it's sounding like both of these films are essentially going to be the same thing, just like kind of a real. And they're both about the DeFeos instead of the Lutzes, right? Um, which might be a more interesting story. If you ask me, and I, at least to my knowledge, they haven't actually made a movie about the DeFeos. Cabin Fever? No, Baywatch. Not. He apparently produced Baywatch. <laughs> no shit. No shit. All right. Well then. Um, I mean, maybe it was Cabin Fever. I didn't think it was. Clown. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> it was doo-doo. Um... Casey LaScala is writing and directing. Now Who that is? He's the guy that wrote and directed Grind. Really? Yes. Fuck yeah, I'm in. <laughs> but, <he's, laughs> but a horror movie. I don't care. All right. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if he wrote it, but he directed it. Guys, um, there's a lot of movies out there that like people just like shit all over that me and Tony fucking love. And on the top of that list is Grind. Do people actually shit on it? I mean, do people even pay it that much attention? I think I, I think most people just don't even know how good it is. Yeah, it's really good, guys. It's not <laughs> horror like at all, but no, it's fucking awesome. It's so fucking good. It has the guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, Mister Rippers, <laughs> and it has Adam uh, Brody, Adam Brody, and that weird guy, that weird, that weird guy <laughs> from Rat Race, <laughs> yep, and um. <sighs> Shooter. Shooter. Shooter, Shooter McGavin. <laughs> yeah. And uh and Bam Margera's in it, so that's fun. And one of the Londons. Yep. Don't know which one. <laughs> Definitely one of them though. Um so watch grind. I think that's what our takeaway from this. <laughs> yep. To grind. <laughs>
Do you care? Uh, speaking of Mr. Ellie Roth. <laughs> Ellie? He is also producing another horror film. Uh, it's called Haunt, and it is desc- described as a extreme haunted house film. Uh, this comes from the writer-director team of Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who wrote and directed Nightlight, as well as A Quiet Place, although that is currently being rewritten by Jim Halpert, <laughs> who is also directing and starring along with his wife. Uh, but I like his wife. Haunt. Yeah. Would you rather... Would you rather that John Krasinski was married to uh, Emily Blunt or Jenna Elfman? Jenna Elfman? Not Elfman. Nah, Goofy. <laughs> Why don't you come up? Jenna Fisher. That's the one. I mean, it would be it would be pretty cute if she was if he was married to Jenna Fisher. Yeah, because Jim and Pam forever. Am I right? Right. They're adorable. <laughs> Super adorbs. Uh, I, Haunt. I hate myself right now. <laughs> I hate you too. So, Haunt is about as follows. On Halloween, a group of friends encounter an extreme haunted house that promises to feed on their darkest fears. Hmm. The night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real. This sounds very familiar. Sounds a little uh, a little derivative. Hang on. We'll, we'll get there in a second. We'll there. Uh, production is supposed to start this fall, obviously, because you've got to film in the fall if you're going to make a movie about Halloween. Why? So the leaves are the right colors and shit. They film Trick or Treat in the spring. Well, well, that's just because Michael Doherty's awesome and Ellie Roth sucks. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> Man, we are just shitting all over any chance of becoming part of the Crypt TV family. <laughs> oh, right. Man, Whatever. Eli Roth is so cool. We've, we've tried so many times and they're just not going for it. So, Hey, Jack. Yeah, we had Jack Davis on the show and we still can't get in. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, people... If you don't know what these what an extreme haunted house is, um, look up uh, McCamey Manor, which is probably the most notorious of them, which basically where you sign a waiver and then you go in there and they just punch you in the face for an hour until you quit. Yeah, and they like put like duct tape in your hair and then rip it out. Yeah, and then they like poop on you. I don't know if they poop on you. They might. You don't know what they do. I guess. They'd probably do lots of things. Yeah, you know, maybe. But yeah, they literally punch you in the face and step on you and just do awful yeah. things. And like Tony said, rip out your hair with duct tape and just, uh, you know, hold you underwater in like dirty puddles. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it, they don't like take you out to some like woodsy area, uh, you know, where they have like this specially planned out like, um, you know, like grounds where they do their tours or tours, a loose term, I guess. But no, it's it all takes place on this guy's property, like on his like house property, yeah, like out in his backyard, that's fucking whacked. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the appeal personally. Um, Can you, you know, imagine if, what his HOA must think of him? <laughs> when I go to a haunted house, it's I want to be scared, knowing that I'm safe. Yeah, if I have to sign a waiver, that to me means there's a chance I won't be safe. Yeah. And you, part of the waiver is that you're not allowed to hit back. Yeah. Fuck that. Somebody's punching me in the face, you're goddamn going to be sure that I'm going to fucking hit you back. Word. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll fight dirty. I don't care. I'll claw your eyes. I'll kick you in the junk. Oh, yeah. I win fights. <laughs> That's just how it is. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. And this is, you know, the night turns deadly as they come to the horrifying realization that some nightmares are real. I don't know what that means. If it's a supernatural thing or if they just get punched in the face a lot. It, um, you know, it kind of sounds like, um, is what was that shitty movie with Corey Feldman? Six degrees of hell. That's the one. <laughs> That's what this kind of sounds like. Kind of. Yeah. It reminds me of the houses that October built. Yeah. Which was, uh, you know, they were f- filmed at real uh, haunted houses, much like Six Degrees of Hell. Yeah, but that one, like, they started out filming it as a documentary and then, like, midway decided they were going to make a movie out of it. Was that what happened? If I remember right, I mean, it's been several years since it's been out, but oh. that's that seems to be what I, re- I remember about it. Hmm. Well, anyways, it's supposed to come out this fall. Probably, I mean, supposed to start this this fall. It'll probably come out probably next fall. Yeah, you know, maybe. Because I'm pretty sure it took like three fucking years for Green Inferno to come out. That's true. Speaking of the houses that October built, uh, they're making a sequel because what would the world would be without houses October built too? That wasn't the title. How the houses that October built too? Uh, I guess the original uh, director and co-writer well, and star Bobby Rowe uh, is coming back. Um, apparently. Many members of the original cast are coming back, too. Uh, Brandy Schaefer, Zach Andrews, Mikey Rowe, and uh, Jeff Larson. Now, a lot of people are really hyped about this. I didn't care for this movie. No, I actually heard a lot of people say that it was garbage. It's pretty boring. Like, seriously, not a lot happens until the very end of the movie. Right. It's They go to a haunted house, and they go, oh, this isn't very good. So they go to a different one, and they're like, where's the good haunted house? And they're like, oh, it's all about the, the blue uh, blue skeleton. And so then they, they just drive around to all these different haunted houses asking about the blue skeleton, and the people start following them, and then they find the, the blue skeleton. Neat. Yeah. Like, that's the whole fucking movie. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a podcast like I don't know if they were doing their show, and then they stopped, and then they came back, and haven't done a new one in a while. But Return of the Living podcast, uh, they're a bunch of haunters, and their podcast has a lot to do predominantly with uh, the haunt industry. Haunt industry, yeah. Uh, <laughs> from what I remember of them talking about this, the original movie is that they thought it was garbage, like as the, the perspective from actual haunters. I thought it was just shit. Uh, and I could be remembering that completely wrong, but I don't think so. <sighs> anyway, um, so... Sorry, were you talking about the original um, plot, or was it rereading this new one? I was talking about the original. Okay. Well, the plot of the uh, sequel is five friends try to recover from the trauma of being kidnapped last Halloween by the blue skeleton. The blue waffle. No! 
Um, uh, a group who takes extreme hunt. Sorry. Oh, I lost my place. Okay, I'm going to start over. Starting over. Five friends who are trying to recover from the trauma of being kidnapped last Halloween by the Blue Skeleton, a group who takes extreme haunt to another level, by the, facing their fears in order to move on. Uh, as they go back out onto the road, they experience more haunted house attractions. Signs of the Blue Skeleton start appearing, and a new terror begins. So it's just the same It's the same people. fucking plot. Wow. <laughs> who thought this was a good idea? Bobby Rowe. Mm. My my my, uh, like are, what's what's amped up in the sequel? Something has to be amped up. It has to be bigger. This sounds like the same thing. Well, it's a new haunt, <laughs> but it's not. It's still the blue skeleton. They should do the blue waffle. That would be scarier. <laughs> or blue October. Um, yeah, this sounds like pretty much an identical movie. Yeah, it sounds like the beginning is going to be something new, and then it's just going to be like a retread. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you can't have just the same cast over and over in in a in you know subsequent sequels, because you just end up telling the same fucking story over again. Yeah, you got to do like most sequels and have a new cast with the same story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's something like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it's like. More often than not, yeah, it's a bunch of teenagers uh, or, you know, early 20-somethings, whatever, at a campsite or a campground, usually at Crystal Lake, and Jason's killing them all. But it's always new people. Right. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, between the first and the second, um, what's her face? Adrian King was her character. Uh, Not Nancy. Nope. God damn. Okay. Doesn't matter. She got killed in the second one. Spoiler alert. <laughs> like right off the bat. Just establishing a new thing. Always a new thing. Except for Tommy Jarvis. Yeah. He's the exception. Or Nancy Thompson. Yep. Also exception. <laughs> I'm talking in a circle. Well, yeah. Uh, Rule G plans to release this uh, in September of this year because you know it's going to take four days to shoot so yeah it's found footage so they just although if they're filming how are they going to film it now are they not doing real haunts again well I mean just because the haunt isn't active doesn't mean they can't film there I, I mean, guess I mean if it's a permanent fixture all they have to do is just bring people in to act inside of it yeah, that's true. Um, I'll probably skip this one. Yeah, definitely. So, Mr. Bruce Campbell was recently uh, at the Saturn Awards, which is a horror movie. Uh, award ceremony just some kind of goddamn awards where they give you awards that resemble saturn and they give you saturns <laughs> like, like saturn views here you go we have too many of these they stopped making them <laughs> just like got a 
a stock of like old unused like Saturns. Like they were built like a decade ago, but they were just never sold, just sitting in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah, and they just give them to Bruce Campbell. <laughs> uh, he dropped some some knowledge about season three of Ash versus Evil Dead, saying, "Wait until you see season three, baby." Oh, Bruce. Yes, he actually said, "Baby." You could call me baby any day. <laughs> He's um, probably the only guy I would let call me baby, and me, of course. Well, you know, we don't talk about that. That you know it took me twelve years to get up to baby status. <laughs> uh, there, there's going to be some spoilers here, I guess, for for Ash vs Evil Dead season three. So if you don't want to know, then I guess plug your ears and say la 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 la. It's, it's no, no no big spoilers, but he says off the charts. We're jumping off a cliff at the end. It'll never be the same. The world will never be the same at the end of this season. There's some big shit that happens. Ash's daughter. Ash has a child. And she's in trouble. She's a target. You know, the demons are like the mafia. We'll go after your family. So he has to not only save the world, he has to raise a daughter, a teenager, an unruly teenager. Was that your Bruce Campbell impression? No. Oh, okay. I I wouldn't even try to do a Bruce Campbell impression. I would would just make an ass out of myself. Well, you have in the past. I mean, yeah, it's never stopped me before. (laughs) Uh, He ends up by saying there's some really cool stuff coming. Bigly. Coming bigly. Uh, I'm fucking amped. I've been enjoying the ride so far. Yeah, the um, show's been great. Yeah, I mean, the first season was great, and I really think the second season got even better. Yeah, um, it didn't didn't have a sophomore slump as far as I'm concerned. No. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for the third, uh, for third season. I'm really happy that it's going to a third season because I was worried that they were just going to you know, it seems like Sam Raimi just kind of loses interest in things. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really happy that they're continuing on with this. Um, I mean, if we're not going to get another Evil Dead movie anytime soon, then this is definitely taking the edge off. So, what do you think about Ash having a daughter? I, I mean, of course he does. <laughs> Man, Ash you just one. Ash fucks. <laughs> Ash fucks all the time. <laughs> Ash crushes, cru- wow, that's hard to say. Ash crushes, crushes ass. Oh, ass. That's hard to say. Ash crushes ass. See? You kind of went crushes. Crushes. <laughs> Maybe that's just the uh, the mountain. Mountain ale? ale whatever. Not your father's mountain Not ale. Not your father's. I don't think my father drank mountain ale. You don't know. Maybe he did before you were born. You ruined his life. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um uh I saw some I don't speculation's probably not the right word, more maybe fan casting. But somebody was just like, what if it's Jane Levy? That'd be fucking boss. My mind might explode. My head would just like cave in on itself. <laughs> Your eyes would melt. It'd be like be like that scene in scanners. <laughs> You ever seen that scene in Scanners where the guy dude's head explodes? That's the one. <laughs> Wayne's World. Thanks. Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Ash versus Season 3. Coming soon. Big Lee. 
On a related note, I don't think we ever talked about this on the show. Um, Stan against Evil got renewed for a second season. This yes. was a month or maybe more ago. But that's cool. The shows are very similar. I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, I love John C. McGinley. Yeah. Um, I thought you were saying John Cena at first. <laughs> John Cena! <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, the shows are very similar, but Stand Against Evil started out kind of slow, but it's I felt like, especially in the last episode, it really started to pick up. So I'm hoping in the second season it'll start there and continue to work upwards. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But yeah, like you said, they are very similar. Yeah. I mean, old guy fighting. He's Monsters. This one is, is witches, I think. Or no, it's not, not just witches. Well, I mean, the, the backstory is witches, but there was, yeah, there's more to it than that. Right. Fun stuff. That's on IFC. I don't know when it's starting, but you can find out. Look it up. Yeah, you have the internet. Read a book. Oh, I'm supposed to do your fucking job for you. God damn it. All right, that's that's Horbus. Was that was that all stories, or were we a short one? That's it. That's oh. five. All right. Well, came in right in an hour. We're we're making good time here. Hey. Uh oh. Wait, no, we talked for. That's including all the Facebook stuff. It was a really short horror business. It's because it was some dumb shit. Yep. <laughs> Man, this is really good. Ninetieth episode. Yep. <laughs> it can't all be winners. Fuck it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess that leaves us with the next feature in our show, which are our film reviews. Patreon picks. Film reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. Why you got to call me an idiot? <laughs> well, when you act like an idiot, I'm going to call you an idiot. I just wanted to make sure people understood that we did not pick these movies. <laughs> we did not fucking pick these <laughs> movies. I want that to be very clear. Um, we have Kevin Nesgoda and who else? Kevin Trent. Kevin Trent. The Kevins. Who are the same ones that picked our, our Patreon picks last episode. But they were the only ones to nominate any movies this time. So, I mean, we didn't even have anything to pick from. Yeah. Hey, you know, uh, patrons or potential patrons, nominate things. I mean, you're paying for it. Yeah. (laughs) Make make use of your patronage. Anyway, so we had two movies that we didn't really want to watch. One maybe more so than the other. Yep. Anyway, we didn't really discuss who was going to do which one. Oh, wait, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. All right, well, what do you want to start with? Uh, Let's start with Kevin Nesgoda's pick, which is the 1997, 1995 uh, TV miniseries, Stephen King's The Langoliers. Weather like clouds at 20,000 feet from the Great Plains all the way to Boston. From the best selling novel by Stephen King. Where is everybody? They've gone, they've all gone. 
ain't in trouble, mister? Where is everybody? What's going on here? Across the boundaries of time. Mayday, Mayday, this is American Pride, Flight 29, requesting emergency aid. So... place is utterly, totally deserted. Air Force Control, this is American Pride, Flight 29. Do you read me, over? Beyond the gateway to another world. We're no longer in our own time, ladies and gentlemen. It's really wrong here. You're all dead. Something is waiting for you to arrive. It's coming, don't you understand? Something's coming towards us, rather nasty. They are predators. They chew the eyes right out of your head. They are relentless. Magdaleers are coming. They're coming for you. And they are very, very hungry. They will eat you alive! Alive and free! So, The Langoliers, a miniseries in two parts, each part an hour and a half or two hours with um, with commercials. It's too long. It's much too long. I mean, it's still shorter than it. Yeah, but it was good. <laughs> uh, this was written and directed by Tom Holland. Who Which just makes this all, all the more disappointing. You may know as the writer and director of Fright Night. I do know him as that. Uh, you know, I thought you might. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite horror movies ever, um, which, again, makes this incredibly disappointing. <laughs> so David Morse is a pilot, and he's flying along, he's flying along, and uh, he he's about to board a plane to fly to uh, somewhere or other, Boston. Fucking Boston. Fucking Boston. And he gets pulled off the plane, and his superior whatever he is tells him hey your ex-wife she did she she blew up yeah she she burnt up real good she she's a crispy critter and so he tells him hey maybe you shouldn't fly and i was thinking maybe you should have told him this later <laughs> but what whatever so he uh he gets on a plane not as a pilot just as a as a uh, passenger to fly back home again to Boston, <laughs> which apparently is where he's from, I guess. I guess, yeah. To <clears throat> take care of business with his ex-wife, which it's his ex-wife. You know, why, why is he in charge? I don't Does she not have any family? I guess. I mean, he kind of goes into their relationship later on <laughs> where it was, you know, it wasn't, a bitter divorce. It wasn't like, oh, I hate you. You know, get out of here. It wasn't like, yeah, your ex-wife's dead. Good. Yeah. I mean, you know, jumping ahead a little bit. We, you know, it's. He says that it really came down to children, that he wanted children and she didn't. And that that's kind of where their marriage started to fall apart because they couldn't come to terms with that disagreement. Yeah. So, I mean, I can, I can imagine he still cared for her. Apparently. Anyway. So he's on this flight and he f- takes a nap. And when he wakes up, the plane 
is empty except for just a handful of people. Mm -hmm. Everybody's gone except for the nerdy guy, punk rock girl, the mom from City Slickers, Balky Bartokamus, and the kid from Three and a Half Men. Or Two and a Half Men. What? But he's a girl now. He's a girl. <laughs> Didn't she look like him? Dude, yeah. I mean, that haircut. Wow. That was not flattering. Something else. I found pictures of her when she was older, though. She got pretty cute. Yeah? Mm. She's not in this. No. She looks like... like isn't this, isn't this name Angus? Yeah. Angus. Uh, it's not Scrim. <laughs> no, it's definitely not Scrim. Angus something. Angus something from Two and a Half Men. <laughs> That's who she looks like. And yeah. uh, Balky Bartokamus is this businessman who looks like he's been up for three days straight yep. on a, some kind of coke bender. And uh, basically, they're looking around at all the seats where all these people used to be, and everything was left behind. All left behind. Kirk Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> it all makes sense now. That was the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, it's the rapture. Mm, yeah, they don't really ever explain what it was. I mean, I guess they kind of do, but not. They don't really explain why being asleep made them not be affected. No, that was kind of glazed over. I have to assume, since it's Stephen King, that everything is flushed out better in the book. No, no, um, <laughs> no. I, I mean, like this, this entire movie, this entire three-hour movie, it was based on a short story. Oh, yeah. Well, fuck. Yeah, they made this fucking two-part miniseries out of a short story, out of a, a book of four stories. They should have made this movie in about half an hour, maybe an hour. <laughs> but no, three fucking hours. And, like, the story's not even that good. No, it's really not. No. I mean, like, like you, re you read the book. It's at four past midnight. Um... I forget what other stories are in there, but like this, this one's not very good. I mean, like this, the, the, the plot is kind of shaky. I mean, he, he's lucky that it's a short story because he didn't really have to fill in those plot holes. Yeah. But those are glaringly apparent in this fucking movie. Yeah. Because they took this tiny little story and stretched it until you could see clear through it. Yeah. So yeah, all these people get raptured. All the people that are left behind. Um, <laughs> they they figure out that because they were asleep, that they're they're still there. That's what saved them or whatever. And they realize that the pilots are gone. So David Morse is just like, I'm a pilot. <laughs> Luckily. Yeah. Lucky for you guys that I'm a pilot on this flight, and I just so happen to be sleeping. Yep. Even though my wife just died. <laughs> yeah. And you can see you can see where the plot holes are coming <laughs> in here. So he jumps in the cockpit. He lands at uh, Bang Banger. Banger. Bangor. Maine. He keeps saying Bangor. Yeah, that's it's Banger. I think that's how people from Maine say it. Bangor. Banger? Oh, that's because they're weird. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. <laughs> You've been to Banger? I've, I've been through it. I didn't like stop and talk to anybody. Hey, how do you pronounce the name of this? 
Where's Stephen King? Where is he? Where does he live? Tell me. <laughs> How do I get to Derry? <laughs> it's funny because it's not a real place. Yeah. <laughs> so he lands a plane, and they, they realize that everything is wrong. The air is wrong. The noise is wrong. Everything's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no echoes when they talk when, in, in the you know, cavernous... Empty airport. That's another thing. The airport's empty. Yeah. They realize that when they, they yell, there's no echo. Matches won't stay lit. Which is funny because you could buy those in the airport, apparently. Matches? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pre-9-11. I guess, yeah, I guess they do, yeah. And the, all the food tastes bad. It's all flat. And at, at one point, Al Calavici comes up with this theory. By the way, Al Calavici's in it, too. Um, That's Dean Stockwell. That is Dean Stockwell but he's always going to be Al Calavici to me. He's playing basically Stephen King. Right. He's a mystery writer, therefore he knows everything. Yeah. Well, it's like he makes these wild assumptions. Like he he, he makes a point to say that, oh, my deductive skills, or, you know, be, being... um deductive it's it's my business you know as a mystery writer i need to be able to write these kinds of things that really involve a lot of brain work you know i mean i'm paraphrasing what he says but yeah so he has he may he draws these outlandish conclusions but more often than not they actually turn out to be fairly true well he starts out by saying like you know oh yeah my my interpretation, or you know, if this was one of my books, here's what I would think. And then it, it by the end, he was just like, "Oh, this is what's going on." Yeah, he's like Siggy, <laughs> beep boop, beep boop. No, he doesn't say Siggy. Hmm. That, that, that would have been a nice, nice homage, right? If he just had Siggy at one point, or if um, Bacula just showed up randomly, or it's like somebody looked in a mirror and just saw Bacula. God, how good is Quantum Leap? I fucking love Quantum Leap so much. It's all right. <laughs> no, it's amazing. You shut your whore mouth. So anyways, he comes up with this theory that they went back in time like five minutes, but it's like this space in time where it's just forgotten. It's like a time rift. Yeah. It's basically the suggestion that for every second in time, there's an entire world which, you know, if you believe in, like, the infinite universe's philosophy, then, you know, it's it's more or less what that represents. Um, but alternate timelines and whatnot. Yeah. But what this basically suggests is that once the, once the world moves past this instant in time, that the world that they existed in continues to exist behind them. Um, until it's eventually consumed. And, I mean, that's... Yeah, yes, that's something we'll get into later. Uh, and for whatever reason, Balky Bartokamus is just crazy. He's just batshit insane. Uh, he has to get to Boston now, tonight. He's got a very important business meeting. He's a very important businessman. He has very important business to do in Boston. Well, it starts out where he is getting out of a limo or a taxi or something, and just so happens to be that this guy that he works with, 
is this like, is there is there like he just happens to time it perfectly to you know catch up with him at the airport <laughs> while he's out in the terminal um and apparently what happens is that balky um <laughs> he traded all these st- or bought all these stocks that he knew were absolute garbage were they were they stocks or bonds bonds whatever um, yeah, he just bought all these junk bonds. Yeah, he he spent something like forty something million dollars on these junk bonds that were just completely knowingly. Yeah, knowingly, and knowingly and intentionally, because he hates his fucking job. Yeah, and apparently he can't just quit. <laughs> he has to He's, make Stephen King fire him. Yeah, he has to go out with a bang because his boss is Stephen King. Right. <laughs> um, and his dad was just like super abusive. And just always told him that if he was lazy, the Langoliers were going to come and eat him. And there's the title. There it is. Although the he Lang- also rips paper. Yeah. For a reason. It's really nerve wracking. Like, what is the reason? Why does he do that? I don't know. I kept waiting for an explanation and it never came. He, he looks like he's about to fucking spunk in his pants when he's ripping it, though. Yeah. I don't know if it's some kind of like calming mechanism. I guess. I mean,. You'd think that would like stem back to some childhood memory or something, and they'd maybe touch on that. But no. Yeah. Um, then I was worried I missed it. Yeah. So I'm like reading stuff online, and I'm like, what is the deal with the paper ripping? Yeah. Now, I think this movie's biggest mistake was casting fucking Balky from Perfect Strangers as your villain. Yeah. Whose fucking bright idea was that? I mean, all the acting in this movie is pretty stiff and pretty pretty lackluster. It's bad. Except for Balky, who is the complete opposite, and he's so fucking over the top. He is. That it just like it's this horrible culture clash between the two. You know, this whole movie was carried out like a stage play like just this over the top acting and over scripting and like i'm going to do this now you know that, that kind of shit and it was just dumb fucking garbage yeah and you know you know it was from the mid 19 uh 1990s so um you know the the language is like com- like comically Team. Well, plus it was on ABC. Right. But it was just funny hearing some, I can't remember who it was. It may have been Dean Stockwell. I don't remember. But it actually says, son of a bee. <laughs> like, well, I couldn't say bitch back then, I guess. On yeah, TV. I guess not. So anyways, they realized that the the plane is their, their anchor to the real world. And everything that happens on the plane happens in real time. They can light matches on the plane. They can drink beer on the plane. They can fuck on the plane. They can do whatever they want on the plane. They can jerk off on the plane. Uh, and so they decide, oh, well, since the the plane is this anchor, if we put fuel in it, it will work, even though the fuel is all dead and burnt out, whatever. Well, yeah, like several things are demonstrated to where 
anything that involves some kind of, um, you know, physics is just dead. Like, like you said, you know, the, the mom from city slickers, like her heels wouldn't click on the tarmac. Um, there was no voice echoes in the terminal. The, the, uh, the matches wouldn't light the, the beer and the soda wouldn't foam. Um, uh, and a, a gun wouldn't fire correctly. It had no force behind it. Right. Um, so they basically conclude, hold on. Gesundheit. Yeah. That, like, yeah, the jet fuel wouldn't burn. But then they realized it would. Yeah, because apparently if you bring something from the outside world onto the plane, after a while it kind of catches up or something. Yeah, or something. It's dumb. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> the whole, like, I mean, I've been over and over on the show how many times, or how much I, I love Stephen King's work. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, most adaptations of his work, I feel, have been good. Not all of them, but most. This one was so bad that it made me just cringe. <laughs> Not only because it was a Stephen King work, but that, like I said, because Tom Holland wrote and directed it, it just made me so bummed out. (laughs) And, you know, the fact that it was three hours long based on a short story. Now, you can compare this to, like, It, which was three hours, I think, three or four hours, I don't remember. Um or the stand, which was several hours long, um, but and you compare those to the books, and each of those books, like I think the stand and it are Stephen King's longest works. Langoliers is a short story, right? <laughs> and so they had to stretch, yeah, and it and it shows. It definitely does because they didn't. Like, all of these plot holes that are created by stretching out a story, they didn't bother to fill them in. No. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, but I'm not remembering any. So, throughout the movie, uh, the, the little girl from Two and a Half Men, she, she keeps hearing... By the way, she's blind. But she keeps hearing something off in the distance, and it's getting closer every time she hears it. And eventually there's this horrible effect where the like light towers or the telephone towers start falling. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden these giant meatballs with teeth come flying over the I thought they looked like oysters. <laughs> they do kind of they do kind of look like oysters. <clears throat> but they do kind of look like meatballs. Yeah. Meatball oysters. And they have like triple mouths. They have like three lips that closed in a triangle pattern. Mm-hmm. Or I guess in a Y pattern. Yeah. Kind of like a like from Blade Two, the vampires. <laughs> well, in the book, they're described as uh, like spherical things with chainsaw teeth. Okay, well, their teeth do move sideways, yeah. and they make chainsaw noises. <laughs> they took it too literally. <laughs> they really should have done some more work on that. And these are like the best CGI you've ever seen in so 1995. <laughs> No, probably not even then. <laughs> no, because it's TV. Yeah, they're they're pretty bad. Yeah, and they they just like they fly over the hills and they just 
start chasing the airplane and then they just eat the earth. Like they just they just eat existence. Yeah, see that's what their what their job is. They they're supposed to eat uh the leftover time basically. They're supposed to eat the past. Okay. So, I mean that's what they're doing. Um but then they're also they're after Balky because he's lazy. <laughs> right. Or something. Um so yeah, Balky gets Balky gets killed. He gets chomped up. Clapped up. Clap yeah, he gets chomped up proper. And then the, the Langoliers just start eating the, the airport. And so the folks all pile into the into the airplane. Get it to take off just barely. Just by the seat of their pants, you know? As the ground is literally disappearing into a nothing, not like a void of nothingness yeah. beneath them. And so they take off and they're headed for this giant cosmic vagina in the sky. Tell me that didn't look like. <laughs> oh, it definitely did. It was supposed to be an Aurora Borealis over the Mojave Desert. Right. that happens. But yeah, it, it looks like a giant cosmic vagina. It does. But then they realize, oh shit, we were all asleep. If we're awake, we're just going to disappear into the, the rapture and be reunited with Kurt Cameron. <laughs> so they all have to fall asleep, but somebody has to be there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, Nick, the British guy. Um, like they, they need somebody to stay awake because they need to turn down the cabin pressure so they can all be like be knocked out essentially. Um, so they'll all be sleeping when they pass through the cosmic, rip, cosmic the, vagina, <laughs> cosmic vagina. Um, but they need somebody to be there. So like that right before they go through, they can turn the cabin pressure back up. So everybody will wake up when they do pass through. But anybody that's still awake is obviously going to be <laughs> taken by Kirk Cameron. <laughs> How's that how it works? (laughs) Um, Anyway, so Nick, who's become sweet on the mom from City Slickers. um, Yeah, he disappears. He's gone. Yeah, he got Kirk Cameron. (laughs) He got Kirked. And he's like, it's so beautiful. (laughs) And then disappears. And so I don't know if this was in the original short story. But when they wake up from uh, everybody <laughs> being taken by Kirk Cameron, um, they wake up and like people's stuff is just there. Watches, change. Wigs. Uh, wigs, money, glasses, playing cards, these ty- type of things. But there's no clothes. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Even like the stuff that was inside, like their pacemakers and their like surgical pins. Yeah, dental bridges and stuff. All that was left behind. Yeah. Uh, Trademark Kirk Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no explanation of why that stuff was left behind and nothing else. Yeah, not their clothes, not their shoes. Yeah. I don't know. I guess because, you know, when they get raptured, they... They want them to be decent. <laughs> sure. You don't want a bunch of dicks hanging around. Yeah, and there's zero explanation to, as to where these people are actually going. Yeah. 
they're just assumed to be dead. Now, I guess my initial thought was like, oh, well, they probably went ahead, went on ahead to the future. Or, you know, in the, the present time is where you guys were held back. But it doesn't appear that way. At least, I mean, it's never explained. That, that could be the case, but you never know. I, I you never find out. Um, I just don't understand, like, because Balky gets killed. The little boy from Two and a Half Men gets killed. Um, and I don't understand why. Because well, Balky goes crazy and stabs the little kid. Right, but if they're in, oh, by the way, she's psychic too. Oh, right, for yeah. reasons. Yeah, she's because Stephen King. Yeah, <laughs> there has to be a psychic. She's just little kid. psychic, and she can hear things. Really and she can well. see through other people's eyes. Yeah. She can see through Balky's eyes. This is dumb. So many dumb things. <laughs> Such a dumb story. <laughs> There's just too much going on. This was widely disliked. You don't say. <laughs> um, but like, what I don't understand is why, when, like, for instance, when she gets stabbed, why she starts dying. Because in my mind, because... Time is not moving for them. Why is she dying? I thought time was moving just at a different pace. Like time was still advancing. They were just behind. I guess. Yeah, I guess it did seem like it like time was advancing faster. Cause I know uh Several times Al said, like, you know, it feels, or, you know, my, my watch says it's like, a, you know, a quarter to 10 or, or whatever. And, but it, it feels like three in the afternoon to me. Yeah. And I didn't understand that, that whole thing. It's like, why is time moving faster? And if it is, how come they're not catching up yeah. with real time? Which creates even more questions when we get closer to the end. Well, yeah, they fly through the cosmic vagina. And they, they land at LAX, and it's it's empty. Everything's gone. There's there's no people. It's all the same same bullshit. And so then they just kind of wait until time catches up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... What? <laughs> Why? And then time catches up, and they just kind of appear, and no one notices except for, like, two little kids. And right. they're like, look at the new people. Yeah, nobody noticed that, what, like five or six people just suddenly appeared, yeah, out, appeared of out of fucking nothing. Exactly. Goddamn buttholes. Did you say goddamn buttholes? <laughs> yep. I said goddamn bottle. Uh, oh, Christ. Um, so yeah, and that's pretty much it. It is. And then they uh, they go get some food. Because the fat narcoleptic guy was always trying to eat. Yeah. He's got to fill his tummy. Can't hear anything. Really? Again? Would you just... Okay. Be cool. For once. can't go to Radio Shack and get a new one of these. Because Radio Shack doesn't exist anymore? Yep. There you go. Got it. 
That always works. Usually. <laughs> it's not a Nintendo 64 game. Test. 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 It worked. <laughs> what you got, bitch? So yeah, this is uh this is not good. It's cardboard characters portrayed by people who don't seem to give a shit. Yeah. Except for Balky. But but Balky just Balky, goes too far the other direction. Balky cares too much. He's like, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna ham this up. <laughs> this He's like, You think Balky Bartokamas is cheesy. Watch this. <laughs> this is gonna be my, my, my launch pad to my career. Nope. No. Oops. So bad. Like and the effects are just like so cringeworthy. Not just the Langoliers, but like the the plane when they're flying into the cosmic vagina in the sky. It looks like a shitty computer game from like the early 90s. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. Like a flight simulator. Yeah. And it's like you have a real plane. Like can't you just like overlay the real plane? Yeah. I, uh, or maybe you've got like stock footage or something. Just play it. Play Green the screen footage. it. Or, or that, whatever. Fuck it. Do something else. Do something else, because this isn't working. Yeah. <sighs> and yeah, like you said, they, they took a short story and they stretched it so far that it, they, they just filled it with holes. It's like, you know, if you take a, a piece of dough and you just stretch it out too far, and it just starts getting holes in it. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with this. Exactly. And they just went, eh. I mean, it's like, you know, The Mist, another short story. Another short story that was adapted into a feature length, not two feature lengths. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there there are complaints about The Mist. I enjoy it. I mean, of course, it's Frank Darabont. <laughs> um, Do you think, like, when they came to Holland, they were like, all right, so the, we, the plan is to make this two hour and a half long uh, chunks. He was just like, what? <laughs> How the fuck am I supposed to do that? Like, well, I guess I'll just take the story and like just make it really slow, <laughs> <laughs> which is exactly what happened. Yep. Because there wasn't a lot of stuff happening in this. The stuff that did happen was moving at a snail's pace. Yeah. Um, I mean, so much of it, so much of this took place on the plane. Um, and it's just like di- like back and forth dialogue, stuff that had like nothing to do with the plot. Well, then you had Balky's like flashbacks where he's talking to his dad. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't understand what this is. I'm pretty sure that was in the, the, the short story or the, the novella. But it's like the way they did it made it seem like his dad was actually there. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't come across as a flashback or a delusion or anything like that. It came across like, oh, his dad's here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, there was like, like at first, you know, like okay, well, he's imagining his dad, but then he starts like interacting with his dad, and yeah. his dad's interacting back, and that's when yeah, you're like, oh, is he actually there? I don't understand. Right. His dad starts like grabbing him and choking him and slapping him and yeah. fucking him. I mean, no, hold on, not that last one. I missed that part. <laughs> That's the director's cut. Right. 
Oh, God, can you imagine a director's cut of this? You have to sit through more of it. Maybe the director's cut would only be like an hour long, though. <laughs> it's like, all right, director's cut. Get rid of this and this and this and this. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just like, it was just full of obnoxious characters. Like I said, just cardboard. Like, they were all so fucking, like, why do I care about these people? Yeah. And, and they kept, like, they had this whole scene where they're all talking about their backstory. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm a teacher from Derpy Derp, Arizona. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's like, you could work that into the story somewhere where I didn't have, to, where you didn't just have to, like, deliberately feed it to me. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, when I meet someone, I'm not, like, I don't just sit there, like, I don't sit in a, in a circle and just be like, all right, what's your name and what do you do? Yeah. Um, it's like, at one point, what, what's the girl's name? Um, Dinah. Oh, the little girl. Yeah. 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 She, at one point, she's like, um, you're a teacher. And she's like, yeah, I am fifth, what, fifth grade or whatever. Something. Yeah. And she's like, how'd you know? She's like, I can hear it in your voice and I, I can, I can feel it coming from you. And it's like, okay. Cause she's psychic. I get it. Yeah. But no, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a teacher. I do this and this. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a, going to meet a man I met in the classified ads. Yeah. I don't care. Like they, everyone goes for the reason of why they're going to this place. And it's like, why do I care about any of this? Yeah. I don't care why you're going to this place. Like, uh, Brian, uh, David Morse, is the only one that really, like, has a, a backstory to why he's going mm-hmm. to where he's going. And he's really the only one. And Balky, I guess. Yeah. It's like, he's the only one that I really cared about. Well, yeah. Everyone else just seems like these, like... Just plastic characters. Just, you know, stick them in so you can pull them out. That's what she said? Hey, she she could say that. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. I mean, because this movie's three hours long. I feel like we haven't talked about it enough, but at the same time... I've Not a lot like, happens. Yeah, I feel like I've talked about... It more than I want to. So. Yeah. Um. Anything else to say? I think we've pretty much covered it. All right. And it's like it's sad because I I like these people. Like I like David Morse. I like Dean Stockwell. But they just don't seem to give a shit. Yeah. Just very phoned in. But I don't know. I don't think I like. I don't. I don't think it. It is. I think it's just that the characters are so just like flat and. Uninteresting. Yeah. I don't know. I have a hard time saying they're flat because I did feel like they were all very animated, but they weren't interesting people. No, they weren't. And But like the way they acted, like I said, it was like a stage play where, you know, when you acting on stage versus acting in a film, you act very big. You know, you're very loud. You're very, you know, very um, deliberate in what you're saying. You have these big act, you know, big gestures, and your, your voice is very big. You're performing for the people in the back, exactly. And I felt like people were doing this in the movie, and it looked fucking ridiculous. Um, especially Balky. Balky um, was so over the top. Uh, and um, uh, the kid Albert. He was really bad too. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nick. Nick was bad too. The British guy. Oh, yeah. Who was like a uh, operative of some kind of 
MI6 or something. Yeah, he was, yeah, he's like some kind of special ops guy, but... But again, like, why do I care? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's not part of the story. Right. At all. Like, it's briefly mentioned when he's talking to his handler, who's Tom Holland, um, at the beginning of the film. And then um, when he he's telling David Morse about it, like kind of revealing more about it than he probably should, but he figures he's going to die anyway, so fuck it. Um, like he makes that big reveal at the end, like, like we're all supposed to be shocked or something. Yeah. But I mean, it's very clear that he was like going on some kind of mission to, to kill a lady or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, okay. And like, I guess I didn't get a good glimpse at who it was at first i thought it was the mom from city slickers but no he tells her to like go tell the guy that he's dead or something it tells him tells her to go to um what tells her to go to ireland or yeah what the fuck like (laughs) okay yeah i'll do that (laughs) i don't fucking nope he's dead fuck him it's like you're gonna pay for my fucking plane ticket i'm a teacher god damn it they don't really. make a lot of money. Yeah. And she just blows off the guy she was supposed to meet. Yeah. Fucking guy is probably waiting there. He's like, where, where the hell is she? Yeah. Imagine getting stood up from 30,000 miles away. <laughs> and at the end, when they're, when they're at LAX and they just kind of slowly blink back into existence, they act like none, none of what just happened to them actually happened. <laughs> yeah, they act like they just landed uh, like from a plane. Yeah. They just got off the plane, and they're like, okay, let's go have a drink. Yeah, and they're acting like they're just best buds in, like, this high school comedy show or right. something. Like, uh, you know, the, the the old guy that's always sleeping or wanting to eat, I, I don't know his name, um, they, they are trying to decide, oh, God, what am I going to do now? And he's like, well, I think we should all go get something to eat. And then the mom from City Slickers is like, "Oh, you're you know you're always thinking with your stomach or, or whatever," and like practically and then everyone goes, goes over. Ha, 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 yeah, she goes over there and like practically gives him a noogie or, or whatever. <laughs> she's like, "Jesus Christ, you couldn't just hold it together for five more minutes." <laughs> We've done this for three hours, and now's when you're gonna just completely go to garbage. And like when they reappear, there's this very long sequence of like everything's changing colors and people are appearing there like oh my god it's so beautiful yeah i'm like is it yeah it kind of looks like a like like just watching it on tv kind of made me nauseous (laughs) i can't imagine being there in person it kind of looks like what somebody who's never done acid thinks an acid trip looks like (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's that's a good point uh yeah so Doo-doo. Doo-doo. Doo-doo pie. Would not recommend. No. No, sir. And honestly, even if this was like even a little bit better, I still wouldn't recommend it because it's three fucking hours long. Yeah. And it's not, even as, even if you made it a little bit better, it's still not good enough to watch for three hours. No. Because the story itself is just not there. Yeah. It does not lend itself to three hours worth of movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, why... Somebody picked this Stephen King story to make into a film. I don't know. I don't understand it at all. Me neither. Anyway, um, I'm gonna give this a two. Yeah, I was debating between one and two, but I, I like I I can't really come up with a reason why. But I feel like a one is too too harsh. 
So yeah, I'll go two. All right. I mean, I hate giving Tom Hall uh, like something that Tom Holland made that low of a score, but it's fucking well earned. Yeah. TV movies, man, just not not worth it. Well, like it and the stand are both really good. Yeah. Well, not maybe not really good, but pretty good. <laughs> anyway. All right. So that takes us to our next Patreon pick, which was picked by Kevin Trent. It's 1983. Sorry. 1983's Sleepaway Camp. Nope. Sleepaway Camp. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been at a sleepaway camp for almost three weeks. And I'm getting very scared. Welcome to sleepaway camp. Someone is watching you. Hey, Baba Reba! Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. Turn it! Turn the wheel! Oh my god! Sleepaway camp. You won't be coming home. Sleepaway camp. Isn't it cute when I talk like a baby? I hate myself. <laughs> I love that you immediately corrected yourself, too. You're like, sweep away camp. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so sleep away camp. Uh, it's 1983. Um, kind of right around the height of all these um, summer camp. summer camp movies. Um, sorry, pulling stuff up here. Pulling stuff out. My dick. <laughs> uh, it was written and directed by Robert Hitz, Hiltzik. Um, yeah. Okay, so, a strange choice for how this movie opens. Doesn't the movie have the boss's sister in it? Like Bruce Springsteen? Yeah. I don't know. Is that one of the sequels? I don't know. Anyway, um, so it opens up with Camp Arawak, uh, and it's it's been closed down. Um, so presumably in the future, uh, I can imagine if this is like your first time seeing it and you don't know nothing, don't know nothing. Wow, I almost said that. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what's happening to me? You're falling apart. That's been going on for a while. Um, yeah, apparently, uh, Pamela Springsteen plays Angela in parts two and three. Uh, that's right. Felicia Rose only plays her in the first one. Anyway. So, yeah, like there's just this kind of montage of these panovers of different areas of the grounds or campus, whatever, of Camp Arawak. And they're all just like just desolate. No, nobody's there. Everything looks in disrepair. And there's a big 
clothes sign on the on the front gate um and like a big for sale sign on the on the sign of the of the camp and then it jumps back in time to before the like when the main film takes place there's a there's two kids out on looks like a like a windsurfer with their dad and there's kids out on a speedboat water skiing and it's like one is a is a lifeguard at the camp across the across the lake the the dumbass kid lets his girlfriend whoever she is drive the boat and she stops paying fucking attention and speeds into this windsurfer kills the dad and one of the kids jump ahead in time to pre- present day or <laughs> 1983 <laughs> it was 8 years later okay um and God, R- Ricky is that his name Ricky Falcone Yeah, yeah. Her cousin. Okay, so yeah, Ricky and uh, his cousin Angela, who is the the surviving child of the accident. Although that's never really made especially clear. No, you're just supposed not to until kinda, later. Yeah, you're kind of just supposed to infer it as the film goes on, I guess. And then yeah, it does cover it later on. Played by close personal friend of Ronnie Angel, Felissa Rose. Right. <laughs> um. So they're getting ready to go to camp at Camp Arawak, which is... Camp Onawana. <laughs> uh, which is still open at the time. So, again, the very opening scene is clearly in the future at some point. Um, I imagine it must have been right, right after the events of this movie. Probably. Um, yeah, they're being sent off to camp which, uh, since Angela's basically an orphan. She's living with uh, Ricky and his mom, uh, Dr. Martha. She's fucking weird. She is a fucking creep. Um, she's a doctor of some kind, but doesn't really clarify what kind of doctor. Doctor of thugonomics, probably. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they go to camp, and you know, uh, Ricky's been there before. This is Angela's first time. She's very quiet and introverted. She doesn't like talking to people. Um, and she's actually silent for what the first half hour of the movie. Yeah, at least. Um, you know, Ricky is trying to introduce her to people he knows from camp, um, and we just like see like this over the top bullying from um, other campers, uh, Judy and a counselor, Meg. Just instantly start making uh, Angela a target. Just going after her just ruthlessly for no fucking reason other than she's quiet. Now, I assume at some point in your life you were bullied. Yeah. So was I. Never like got my ass kicked or anything, but I got no. picked on, yeah. Yeah. Um, were they, did you ever just like out of the blue start getting picked on or did something set it off? Something set it off. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happens. Like, well, yeah, there's usually something they zone in on, and then they'll make fun of you for that thing. Yeah. Meanwhile, Angela did nothing, and they just picked her because just because she's quiet, because she's, she's introverted. Quiet. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's like, like Judy, she's just this colossal bitch who was like, I don't know, Ricky's ex camp girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. Camp lay. Yeah. Now she's got a little preteen titties. So yeah. now she's. And all the boys are just all about it. All the boys are like, yeah, she's so stacked. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, she's she's got something. Yeah. There's, you know, there's something there. Yeah. Probably something that wasn't there like last year, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> to say she's stacked or, you know, as the one kid is like, they're like this. And it's like, no, they're really not. A term that my dad and my uncles used when they were kids was uh, pukers. I don't know how that came about <laughs> or why they picked that word. But yeah, little like preteen boobies. <laughs> just call them pukers. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know why. That, that Just that term always made me laugh. Um, anyway. Yeah, she's just this colossal bitch to Angela and kind of everyone. Yeah. She's just a, a a mean girl. Well, she's got, like, now that she's, you know, flourishing, she's got the older boy's attention, mm-hmm. so she's not interested in Ricky anymore. Right, just kind of blows him off when he tries to say hi. Um, So, yeah, and, you know, Judy is best buds with her counselor, Meg. So when she makes it a point to make Angela's life a living hell, of course, uh, Meg jumps on it. And Meg seems to be, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, but it seems like she's made uncomfortable by, by the fact that Angela won't talk to her. <laughs> yeah. Because the fact that Angela's quiet really sets her off. Um, And, uh, yeah, so, like, most of the beginning of the movie is really just a lot of setup, you know, introducing you to characters. Um, I mean, there is... You know, like the head counselors, and there's Mel, the camp owner, who's just this creepy old guy with a fucking cigar. Yeah. Like, he's always got a cigar. And, and like, when people start dying, he's just like, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, he's like, oh, my God, this is going to end me. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It's like, I think in any real world, like, rational uh, camp, like, if somebody was even injured... They'd shut the camp down. It's like, all right, well, send the, ki- send the kids home. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, these people are fucking dying, and it's not an accident. <laughs> and you know that. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, just, yeah, you know, keep on, carry on. Yeah, and he's just like, he doesn't even want anybody to know. He's like, no, it's, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, And, uh, God, what were those head counselors named? That, that big fucking muscle guy. That big juiced up guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Ricky? Was that him? No, Ricky was the cousin. Oh, right, duh. Um, fuck, I don't know. Sal? I don't know. Whatever. He looked like a Sal. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um. Anyway, whatever. Ronnie Angelo. He could be a Ronnie. Ronnie Angelo? Really? <laughs> That's somebody's name? Yep. <laughs> um, Does Felissa Rose think that Ronnie Angel is him? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, okay, so... I think that is him. 
Ronnie. Okay. I mean, the, the 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 first one to go is the cook. Yeah, because he's a giant fucking creep. Yeah, when the kids show up, he's just watching. He's like, <sighs> yeah, and he's just talking freely with the with the other council, like the head counselors, just like, mm, yeah, fresh meat. Yeah, he's he's kind of like him naked. <laughs> I like I like him with no hair. Yeah, <sighs> he's he's kind of like a creepier version of Matthew McConaughey from Days Confused. It's just kind of like that's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, but they stay the same age. Yes, they do. Um, Plus, he's fat. Yeah, and yeah. So Ronnie introduces, or I don't know. Angela's just having trouble adapting. Like she just can't get comfortable. She's very quiet. Doesn't want to talk to anyone, even R- Ricky, really. And so. Um, Meg starts losing her fucking mind because Angela won't talk, and so Ronnie comes over and says, "Hey, you know, cool your jets." And it's like Angela, let me let me take you back to the kitchen, you know, maybe because they're at dinner or whatever it is, and so maybe we can find something that you you want to eat. So he takes her back to the kitchen. Oh, because she wouldn't eat whatever they had. Yeah, um, introduces her to Ronnie, who's the fucking molester. No, no, Ronnie. Sorry, uh, Artie. Um, and like, I thought at first that Ronnie was like setting her up, like basically selling her, <laughs> but no, he's just oblivious to the fact that Artie's it's like, Hey, maybe I get some extra mashed potatoes at dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Here, have this underage child. <laughs> he's like, all right, well, let me take you into the walk-in and that's when he's going to just try and just rip her ass. He's apart. just like, you like sausage? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, mm. Get a load of this sausage. Yeah. Bend over, see what's in that box over there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But then he gets boiled alive. Alive. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. People just start getting start getting whacked. Start getting whacked off. Just people getting whacked off left and right. Um. And it's just making a big mess. <laughs> And Mel just refuses to clean it up. <laughs> Until his little underage girlfriend gets whacked off. Yeah, that that chick was probably the hottest chick in the movie. Yeah. And she's banging Mel. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. It was so confusing. She's probably 16, I'd say. I mean, it's, it's impossible to tell because I think a lot of these people were older than they were supposed to be yeah. in the movie. I don't know how what age she was supposed to be. She was probably 18 I mean, She was one of the senior counselors, so. Yeah. Um, but she gets killed in the shower, and that's what sets Mel off, because he thinks Ricky's the killer at this point in the movie, which is actually, we're, we're jumping ahead here. This is closer toward the end of the movie. He thinks that Ricky's the killer, and he actually tries to confront Ricky, and Ricky's just like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? And he just beats the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he... Gets Ricky because he killed, like, somebody kills Meg and he is convinced it's Ricky. So he goes and swipes up Ricky and just carries him out to the woods and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, for starters, maybe change your name and your face. I feel like that, that role could have been played perfectly by Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> it would have completely changed the tone of the movie but and his career <laughs> but I think he could have done it 
He has been like, hey, you give me no respect. And then he just punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah, man, you got it. Because <laughs> that was that was his line. Right. That was his, that was his thing. Yeah. Um, I don't get no respect. Hey. <laughs> Take uh, my wife. <laughs> she don't respect me. <laughs> um, my wife and I were at this. Store. My wife. My wife. Uh, we're at, uh, we're at, uh, toward, and like anytime I'm with her when she's shopping somewhere, like I'm worried that I'm going to like, cause I'll say, oh man, that's fucking ugly. Like anything that's on the wall. And she'll be like, I really like it. No, I'm worried that like, I'll be saying, oh, that's fucking ugly. And then somebody walks out of the dressing room wearing one. <laughs> I was like, and then I'm thinking like Roddy Dangerfield and Caddy, Caddy Shack, oh, but, but it, it looks, looks good, good on you. you. <laughs> <laughs> hey Wang, it's a parking lot. <laughs> this is my friend, Mr. Wang. No offense. <laughs> um, okay, so did we make didn't we make a Caddyshack reference earlier? Did we? I think so. Uh what was it? I don't remember. I feel like we did. I don't know. Maybe. Sounds like us. <laughs> Seems like something we would do. <laughs> we make a lot of references, usually to things that have nothing to do with uh, what we're talking about. Oh, no! What? Martin Lando's dead, too. Shut up! Fuck! This is a shitty day. <sighs> Fuck. God damn it to hell. <sighs> Anyways, I don't even want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> Not that I did to begin with. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Um, so you find out Angela's the killer, and she's actually a boy. There it is. Okay. She's actually it, her brother. Like, Ricky is supposed to be a red herring, right? Yeah. I thought it was Angela the entire time. Up until they went, oh, it's probably Ricky. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Wait, did you not know it was Angela? I mean, like, the first time I saw this. Oh, okay. I say, because... You know, people they know it's Angela. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I mean, there have been sequels and sequels. Yeah, but no, like the like the first time I was like, "This is very clearly Angela, right?" Yeah, and then they were like, "It's Ricky," and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, it's like I, I guess it could be Ricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, like when I was watching it this time, I was like watching it, thinking like, "Are they trying to make me think it's Ricky?" And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm going, I, "There's nothing about this that's making me think it's Ricky." Yeah. Up until the point where they tell me it's Ricky. Yeah. It's like, it almost seemed like they're spending too much time trying to make it look like it wasn't Angela. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, trying to preserve the look that it... Like, they're, they're trying to do double duty, basically. They're trying to make it look like it was Ricky, but also at the same time make it look like it wasn't. So just it got kind of convoluted there, but I mean I don't know I had the difficulty is like even before I saw this for the first time I knew it was Angela, so I didn't I never really had that position where I didn't know who it was yeah, um so I guess I kind of missed out on that element of this you know for my first viewing, um and like there's absolutely no reason for her to be a boy. Not really, no. Except it's just like this surprise ending. Yeah. That's the only reason. It doesn't, there's no purpose within the storyline 
Yeah, I mean, aside to just, it's very clear that her, her well, okay, her crazy aunt, Ricky's mom, when Ben, is that is that what her real name is? Yeah. When Ben goes to live with Ricky and, and his aunt, his aunt says, and then, and then there's a flashback explaining all this saying, um, Oh, we already have a boy, you know. So let's let's make you a little girl, and we're, we'll call you Angela. I hate that. That's how they revealed it. Why? Like, because well, because then after that, she stands up, and you see her dick. Yeah. It's like, why wasn't that the reveal? And then show the flashback to explain why she has a dick. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, it's funny. At the end, she's making this like really ridiculous face. Mm-hmm. And the reason she's making this ridiculous face is because they had to make a mask yeah. of her because it's actually an Asian man. Yeah. The tiny little Asian man with this tiny little Asian wiener. <laughs> Wearing a Felissa Rose mask. Yeah. And it just looks fucking weird because it, had, it looks like they made the mask too small. Yeah. Head. And then, like she stands up and she's like, <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Why? Why is she doing that? <laughs> yeah. Why is she all of a sudden like feral? Yeah. It's like she was brought up in, you know, aside from the fact that she's being forced into a, a gender that wasn't hers, seemed like a fairly normal upbringing. Yeah, like her, her aunt was a fucking weirdo. Yeah. But not like... She didn't the, grow up in a cave. Right. <laughs> she wasn't like raised as an animal where she was put in a cage and had beer thrown on her or something. Yeah. Also, interesting thing. Her little boyfriend, Paul, he was in Langoliers. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he was Albert. Oh. Yeah. I'll be goddamned. Doesn't make either of these movies any better, but, you know, <laughs> little fun fact. Anyway, uh, so this movie is really highly regarded as being, you know, just a, uh, a horror classic, you know, kind of, um, I mean, this came out when a lot of slasher movies were popular, be it, you know, something big like um, Friday the 13th or Halloween. But also, you know, lesser known things um, like uh, the burning, the burning. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. This was probably one of the lesser known ones at the time, but it's kind of gained this cult follow, uh, fa- following, fucking following, fucking following. I guess stuff's starting to kick in. <laughs> um, uh yeah, it's gotten this cult following over the years, and you know a lot of people think it's just like one of the best movies ever made. I really think that it like the it's just that that reveal, that visual of her naked with her little penis out, and then the guy at the end is just like, "Oh, she's a boy." Yeah, he's, he's like, not even like shocked. He's, he's just like, like how, "Oh, how can it be? She's a boy. She's a boy. Huh? Huh?" Well, isn't that something? That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll be damned. Fucking Ronnie. <laughs> He's not, like, freaking out, and and they seem to kind of gloss over that she just decapitated Paul. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, everybody's, like, they find her on the beach, and she's just sitting there naked, cradling Paul's disembodied head. <laughs> and they're more worried about her being a boy. Yeah. It's like, well, a lot of people are dead. Yeah. I think her being a boy is kind of cl- of a cliff note at this point. 
Yeah, I really think that's the only reason this movie has any kind of like following is just it's just that is such a trademark visual. Yeah. It's like you can't do something like that again without people hearkening back to this movie. Yeah, uh CKY actually used that image of of Angela screaming like that face. Used it in a lot of their marketing in their earlier days. And which is funny because Darren Miller actually married Felicia Rose. Oh. <laughs> so, anyway, um so yeah, the big cult following, a lot of people love this movie. Me not so much. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the worst, but it's it's really not anything groundbreaking. No. Like a lot of the kills happen not necessarily off camera, but kind of like like when when she gets stabbed in the shower, she's just up against the wall and you see the knife go through the wall mm-hmm. and then kind of up her back. It's nothing, you know, there's not great effects, there's not these, you know, good-looking kills. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, I do have to give credit where credit's due because for the time it came out, it did appear that a lot of the prosthetics were pretty well done. Yeah, when they actually when they showed the dead bodies, the it, it looked good. Yeah, uh, I was particularly impressed with like there at one point this this boy uh, he's underneath a capsized boat, um, and oh, and the snake comes out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. That that head looked pretty good. Like yeah. I think even kind of by today's standards, it looked yeah. pretty good. Um, and it, like I think the the big issue with those things is like the eyes. The eyes are really hard to get. I think sure, um, but they actually made that look fairly real. I mean, I don't know if they put like glass eyes in it or what, but um, yeah. So overall, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with the um, the special effects. Pulling punches on the kills, though, that bugs me. It's like you're making a fucking rated R horror movie. I mean, I imagine it was mostly budgetary. Well, maybe, but... No boobs. Nope. Well, I mean, a lot of underage kids. <laughs> well, this is true. Uh, Meg, you kind of almost see it when she's in the shower. Yeah. I Wait, Meg or the other, the one that was banging Mel? That's Meg. It is? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything else to say. I guess. Yeah, I I don't I just you know there's certain older horror movies that I don't really understand the following for. Um, My Bloody Valentine being one of them. Yeah, I would probably put this in that same category. I don't I don't really see the iconography of it. Well, I don't know. For me, it's not one of these movies like My Bloody Valentine. Where like I'll gripe people for liking it, like I can understand why people like it, you know, and their affinity for it. Um, it's just it doesn't it's not f- f- the same for me. Um, whereas something like My Bloody Valentine is just bad, and I don't get why anybody fucking likes that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have a lot of complaints about this movie. I, I don't think it's it's bad by any means. I just don't think it's particularly good. I think it's uh, it's it's 
you know, inoffensive. Uh, I don't mean like actually offensive because I'm sure a lot of people are offended by this, you know, transgendered girl killing everyone and being made into a villain. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, fairly progressive for its time. Yeah. She had two dads too. Yeah. That was a surprise. I thought that was supposed to be because at the beginning when her and her brother are out, or I say, sorry, her and her sister are yeah. out with her, with their dad and there's somebody up on the shore, you know, telling them to come in for whatever reason. Lenny. Huh? Lenny. Lenny, yeah. And then later in the movie, there's like a flashback to Angela and her, or I should say Ben and the Reed. No. What is what was this? What was her sister's said. real name? I don't think they ever said. Okay. Well, Angela slash Ben and his sister, um, they're like spying on their dad and Lenny. Lenny. <laughs> um, and they're like kind of giggling about it. So I, th- I kind of got the impression that it was supposed to be like a, like a secret thing or something. Yeah. But. They, they didn't really elaborate on that enough to really... No, they, it wasn't like, oh my God, she saw her dad fucking another man and it drove her crazy. Right. <laughs> that would have played well nowadays. Yeah, really. This movie would be fucking crucified. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think this movie's... It's fine. I Like I said, I don't really see why it's like mentioned in this upper echelon of horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's fine. It's it's decent. Like, but at the same time, like I said, I knew it was Angela the whole time, and then the ending was just seemed like it was there just to be a twist ending. Yeah, yeah, it's comp- is totally unnecessary. I mean, she could have actually been a girl, it would have made no difference. Yeah, it would have been the same. It would just it added that little extra twist of what the fuck. Yeah, but, gave people something to talk about. Yeah, and it's like okay, whatever, but. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was like a plan from the beginning. Or if it was just like at the end they were like, you don't be fucked up. <laughs> what if we just gave her a dick? <laughs> um, yep. Yep. That's all I got. Okay. Number? Um, I'll do four. That's what I'm thinking too. All right. Just like... Just slightly south of the middle. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's okay, but still just not that good. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see this being a TV movie. <laughs> sure. And, you know, I, like I said, I mean, there are people that love this movie, and I think it's just kind of, you know, different strokes. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't hate this movie, but I just don't, I would never put it in my list of, like, top horror movies. No. Anyway. Anyway. So I guess that's it. That's it. That's the show, people. That's 90 episodes in the can. In the butt. It's a can. Can't Your can is your butt, yeah. You need to fix your whistling nose. <laughs> you want to pay for me to get my septum repaired? No, I don't want to pay for anything. Well, then shut the fuck up. Well, I'm going to be fucking editing this, listening to your fucking nose whistle for two hours. Fucker. See, there it is. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop breathing. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, so it's going to do it for episode 90. 
We're going to be back in a couple weeks with episode 91. And are we going to do this? Yeah, we are. Okay. So we're going to do something a little different, something we've never done before. Um, rather than do our typical bit with, you know, our business and, I mean, hopefully we don't miss out on anything big. But we're, we're going to skip out on horror business. We're just, God damn it. Skip out on horror business. We're going to skip out on the film reviews. No, we're still doing horror business. Oh, we are? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I didn't know that. Anyway, um, so we're going to forego the film reviews, and we're going to take uh, some time to talk about um, music in horror. Um, no, we're not talking about, like, scores. Yeah. We're, but, 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 like, horror-themed music. Right. Um we need to do our research because I admittedly haven't done much other than just the stuff I already know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're hoping to have a guest with us. We'll see if that works out. Um, and yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about, you know, things like <sighs> Misfits. Know, Kiss and Guar and, yeah, Misfits and stuff like that and just like how it, how they were um, influenced by horror and, you know, maybe how horror was influenced by them and maybe just maybe touch on music's importance in horror. Um, yeah. I don't know. We're going to kind of wing it. <laughs> we'll see where we end up. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that should be, should be fun. And that's going to be on our next episode. Uh, but in the meantime, Taylor, where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as on Facebook and Instagram as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. We are of course on iTunes, Google music, Stitcher, anywhere else that podcasts are found. And, uh, and of course, patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. If you would like to contribute to the show monetarily in exchange for some, some cool perks. Totally boss perks. Fucking parks. Uh, was it just me or was it, like, did you have, we talked about that, like how we were having trouble like breaking that accident at the end of the day? Yeah. <sighs> anyway. You guys don't get to know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. So back in a couple weeks, guys. Till then, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast where we're all little dead inside. R.I.P. George. And Martin. And Randy and John. Right. Too many dead people. All my bags are packed and ready to go.